The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Luke Fay. Huge news out of Tallahassee as defensive tackle Marvin Wilson and wide receiver Tamari and Terry announced they are coming back for their final season in the Garnet and Gold. We preview Arizona State versus Florida State, who will battle it out in the Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas. The Lukes also break down the college football playoff semifinal, the upcoming NFL playoffs, along with our sports moments of the decade. You can always call into the show at 850-644-1837. Tomahawk Talk starts right now, and I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Luke Hazen. It is the Luke and Luke Show. How are you doing, Luke? Reunited at last. Glad yeah. to be here, Luke. You know, it was it was a year to right. day you and I stepped in this booth for the first time. Yes. We talked some play, uh, semifinals for a college football playoff. I'm I'm glad to be here again. Yeah, yeah, Luke. It's it's been uh it's been a long time coming, man. Uh how how are you uh how are you holding up knowing that the uh, Florida Gators are about to uh play at eight o'clock? I know that's uh gonna be up your alley. Uh I I'll, I'll be honest with you, Luke. For the listeners at home that don't know, I'm wearing a Florida sweatshirt right now in the studio. I'm going to dart out of here as fast as I can after this show. No offense. I, I would love to hang around with you all night, but I got to get home to watch the Orange Bowl, see my Florida Gators play. Oh, man. I'm sure I'm sure that uh, you're, you have allegiance to Florida. Sure, that'll go well. over well with the listeners. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow, <laughs> uh, tomorrow you'll, you'll, you'll be watching Florida State very, very attentively. And Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? I yeah, it was- New Year. New Year, New Seminoles, Wednesday. Is it New Year's Day? I thought it was New Year's Eve. No, no, it's it's tomorrow. Or, sorry, not tomorrow, Wednesday. Yeah, wow, yeah. man, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Well, I got to tell you this. I, I'm excited. Florida State <laughs> got some great news earlier this morning. Um, whether it be the, the audio quality wasn't that the greatest, so I'm, I'm guessing that it was unanticipated that Marvin Wilson and Tamari and Terry were going to come back for Florida State, but that is a huge get for Mike Norvell, really the equivalent of, of like a five-star pickup for him. Absolutely. these are, We're talking literally about two of the biggest playmakers on Florida State's team coming back, announcing what all odds against it. These two, for what it's worth, could have absolutely gone to the NFL. Instead, they decided to take their talents back to Tallahassee for another year, run it up with Mike Norvell's squad one more year, and Florida State fans should be rejoicing right now. Though you could not have asked for two bigger players to come back for this team. No, I, I totally agree. And if you're looking at it, it, it almost wasn't even a question. No one no one thought that Marvin Wilson was gonna come back. I mean, you you remember how he, he told Coach Odell Higgins, Hey, you know, I, I can try to come back, play through this pain and they said, No, 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 get get your surgery, rest. I thought it was up. a done deal then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I just I truly thought like there there was no chance there was no chance for Florida State to get him back and now you're looking at it and you look at Miami Miami is is not doing that great Florida is is at the top in in, in the state of Florida but Florida State right now has got some momentum on the recruiting ground and and with all these transfers that have come in Florida State's looking happy absolutely and Florida Florida may be at the top right now but Florida is a is at a very gettable top right now. If you're Florida State, and even Miami. I know Miami's taking some punches lately, especially with that loss to Louisiana Tech last week. But Florida's in a spot where they can actually absolutely be caught up by Florida State. And these two guys coming back, combined with another great year, of, or at least a great year under Mike Norvell in his first year, that can spell trouble for the Gators. And and the one thing that, that we haven't exactly mentioned just yet is is the, the transfers that they landed last week as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you, it, it's kind of ironic if you look at it. 
to Sean Corbin from Texas A&M coming to Florida State. I, I mean, everyone knows here when when you look at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I chuckle because Jimbo Fisher was at Texas A&M, and you know what? Florida State is starting to look like one of those areas where people are starting to want to come back to it. Absolutely. And you know what? In this case, with everything Mike Norvell has done leading up to this point, perception has been reality. Every, like, when you're viewed in the in a positive light like Mike Norvell has these last few weeks with all the news that Florida State has made, it, it can do nothing but boost your program up. Whether we, whether we see improvement from the team or not in the next season remains to be seen. But you, you have to be positive about what Mike Norvell has done over these last couple of weeks. Yeah, you, you landed an offensive line uh, transfer from FIU, Devontae Taylor. So you have to think right now, Florida State is setting themselves up. And I, I said it earlier on uh, in the day. I think that Florida State is an eight or nine win team next year, looking at how, they ha- how they're going. And, and that might be with starting a true freshman quarterback. That's, that's the problem there. I, I would still stress to FSU fans to temper your expectations heading into next year. Before Mike Novell was even hired, coming into the next year, FSU fans were urged to temper expectations with the new head coach after the Willie Taggart mess that was left. But Every- he, he hasn't said that he's going to win right away. He's just putting out moves that you think, you know, people are loving the coaching staff and put the, together. They are good moves. They are not eight or nine win moves just yet we'll see how these players develop over time but i'm not ready to jump i'm not ready to jump the gun and say that they're going to win eight or nine games because that's that's what we expected from this uh, second year team under willie taggart and they they failed miserably at achieving those expectations so yeah we'll we'll see i mean there are there are holes at running back they were trying to fix that with corbin i mean you know Cam Akers, as of right now, unless something happens, he's he's headed to the NFL. Well, I know if, you're, if Cam Akers – listen, Cam Akers is not coming back to Florida I, State. I know, I know, but we didn't think Marvin Wilson was. <laughs> I, I'm just you're saying. Right, you're absolutely right. I, I, I'm just saying that. But if, if you look at it overall, Florida State right now, if they can – if one of these quarterbacks turns out, if Rod Maker turns out, Florida State is going to look pretty happy. And I know that we want to talk about this all day, all, all day we can, but – if you're looking at the Sun Bowl right now, which is against Arizona State, Arizona State is the superior team at this point, Luke. I mean, right now, the way it sits, Florida State has, has no one out there that, that can really make a play. If you if you look at the running backs, if you look at the tight ends, the only person that's out there that is going to be a threat is Tamari and Terry. It's Terry. That's right. And that's what and, we, and leading up to this game, we weren't even sure if he was going to play. No, I, I actually thought when the season ended against Florida, I thought that he would announced that he was sitting out. He put out a tweet saying, this will be the hardest decision I've ever made. And I jumped the and, gun, and I, I said, he gone. I, he, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I was sitting there in, in the interview when they asked him about if he had gotten anything back from the NFL, and he said, yes, he had. He was going to reevaluate and whatnot. But in that moment, it, he was just he was distraught. He, he really was, because you could tell he was torn, but that greener pastures may have been somewhere else other than Florida State. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see where it goes. And really, if you're looking at Arizona State right now, they're starting a true freshman quarterback in, in Jaden uh, Jaden Daniels. So, yeah. And when you look at Arizona State, they clearly have the more talented quarterback, and they've probably been tested a little bit better than FSU has this year. They've got a premier win against Oregon at home that came late in the season. They seem to have things running a little bit. Whereas if you look at FSU, they kind of spiraled with that Florida game heading into the off season. So it's going to be tough for Florida State to score in this game. I think. Yeah, but I think that right now the perception for Florida State, even three days ago, was, well, what are they going to do in this game? I mean, they, it, overall, I, 
I think that Tamari and Terry and Marvin Wilson saying they're coming back is going to give a boost to the teammates that are playing in the Sun Bowl right now. And right now, I mean, if, if you look... How, how much that can you account for that boost in the actual game? How how many points can you say that boost is going to give Florida State? Well, I mean, you're right. They, they do not have a scholarship uh, running back who is going to play in the game. And that's, that's going to be the biggest problem. And you still it. have James Blackman at quarterback who has proven to be inconsistent. It's, it's, it's looking tough, Luke. I, it is. I, we can get to predictions a little bit later. Yeah. I know. Um, I, 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 we, we'll go over after uh, we, we have our we have a little phone call coming in. But we'll we'll go over who is injured for Florida State, who's not going to be playing. I mean, it is a laundry list of really, uh, most of these guys were starters at the beginning of the year, Luke. And that's been the that that was one of the problems that plagued FSU this year. When you get down to why they lost so many games, you're scrolling through that injury list right now. I'm. My jaw is dropped right now at the amount of, of you know, first-string players that are on that list. It's crazy. I, I don't I don't know where Florida State's going to go with this game. I, I really don't. But I am intrigued to see how good Herm Edwards' team is. I know that they're a young team. We'll, we'll see what happens. But overall, Florida State has to be has to be a little bit happy with how this last week has gone because, uh, you know, three or four weeks ago, people are laughing at, at recruiting shows. You, you, you were turning it into a Tennessee-esque coaching search, right? And then you finally hired Mike Norvell, and it's been nothing but up since for the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, however much that that positive boost in perception may affect the Seminoles, I'm not sure. But it's, it's been a good start for Mike Norvell. Well, we do have a caller here. It is Tyler Henry. He is a professional play-by-play broadcaster and recent graduate of Arizona State University. He's called two games for ASU, the Cal and Oregon game for Blaze Radio, Arizona State's student radio station. Tyler, thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, uh, I, I do want to ask you, uh, what, what is it what is it like over at Arizona State? Because a lot of people are saying this is uh, this is the battle of the party schools here. Uh, it very well may be. I mean, honestly, you got a, you got a big-time school from the back 12. We do love to party a little bit, but... No, it should be good. It'll be interesting to see how things play out on the field. Well, uh, one of the first questions I want to ask you is: Florida State has a has at, at least a dozen players that are out with injury or, or not playing because of the draft. Who uh, who is out for ASU that we should know about? So your key missing players for ASU are going to be uh, Eno Benjamin. He is obviously you know thousand yard rusher, twelve touchdowns a year. Uh, one of the biggest pieces that makes this offense run. He's going to be out. Uh, Brandon Ayuk will also be out. Ayuk declared for the draft, in my opinion, probably one of the five best wide receivers in the country. Um, so those are your two big missing pieces on offense. On defense, one of the problems ASU has had all season long, um, they're just young. But come bowl time, that's perfect because, to my knowledge, they're not missing anybody big on the defensive side. Um, so, again, not a lot of players declared for the draft. Not a lot of players are going to be missing on that end of things. And that's going to be a big boost for ASU come game time. Benjamin and Ayuk are out. Is is that more of a no no injuries? Correct. They're just trying to no, no play injuries. it safe. No, those are just players sitting out. You know, declared for the draft. Ayuk declared for the draft. Um, the interesting thing with Eno Benjamin being out, that's actually going to bring AJ Carter into play because Isaiah Floyd, the backup running back for the majority of the season, uh, decided that he would enter the transfer portal. So he's actually not available at all for ASU. So they'll be using a third string running back, um, a guy in AJ Carter that doesn't have a lot of experience. And I don't expect anything too big out of him. It'll be really interesting to see what he can contribute. Um, but expect a pretty pass-heavy game for ASU coming in. Hey, Tyler. It's uh, it's Luke Hazen here. I want to talk about Jaden Daniels for a second, a former guy that was looked at by FSU before committing to Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Um, and I'm looking at a stat line. 
17 to 2 touchdown to interception ratio. Um, has that been a product of Jaden Daniels making really, really good decisions? Or has that been more of Herm Edwards protecting his first year quarterback? Uh, you know, I think it's been a little bit of both. Uh, one of the biggest things that Herm Edwards has said this year that really stuck with me, he said, you know, that Jaden Daniels, whenever he is on the run, he will always slide down instead of trying to go for that extra yard or two. And he was criticized for that early in the season, but Herm said, you know what, the, the guy can't help us out if he's on the bench with an injury. And so, you know, he's, he's been a little bit more cautious, but I think that's a part of, you know, just the strategy that ASU wants to run with. And it's translated into the passing game as well. You see a lot of times where, you know, instead of trying to force a pass into double coverage or make, you know, one of those highlight plays, kind of a Jameis Winston-esque play, um, he'll throw it away. I mean, he's, he's not upset with doing that. It's a decision that he makes, and he takes care of the football. And that's a big part of the reason why he's been so successful as the first true freshman to start with ASU in a couple decades. Well, uh, Tyler, if you're looking at the impact between Eno Benjamin and, and Brandon Ayuk, who is going to have to step up for for the Sun Devils and the wide receiving core uh, to make up for that production? So in the wide receiving core, they're still going to keep a couple of really good weapons. Uh, the guy I expect you'll see a lot more receptions out of is going to be Kobe or Kyle Williams. Uh, Williams is going to be that kind of go-to slot receiver. He is a really crisp route runner, and he's going to have to do what Ayuk's been doing all year long. Out of Frank Darby, you can expect more of what you've seen all season long. He's a deep threat. I mean, I, I swear, if, if Coach Edwards just says run a go route on every single play, he's going to get two touchdowns a game. He's got blazing speed down the sideline. He can get in open space, and he just creates that separation. So Darby's going to be the deep threat. Kyle Williams is going to be the guy uh, that's running all the routes down low, and he's going to be the guy that I think you're going to see the most receptions and the most yards out of. And after that, I, I don't really know. I mean, they've got, a lot of, they've got a lot of weapons in the wide receiving core, but who steps up? In particular, I don't really have any, any guesstimations beyond that. It'll be interesting to see, you know, whether it's a tight end like Tommy Hudson or whether it's one of the other receivers that they have, maybe a SOL, something along those lines. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. There's been um, a lot of positives from Jaden Daniels. I, I, I've seen a, the, the only negatives I can see is there are some games where he just can't pass the ball for, for very many yards. Uh, what, what are the negatives you've seen from him that he needs to fix going into this game and year two? Sure. So I think for Daniel, the one thing that I was worried about going into the Oregon game was we hadn't seen a game where he had just said, I'm the guy, give me the football, and let me take care of it. I hadn't seen that fire. But in that Oregon game, I think that changed. You saw him pass for over 400 yards. He had three touchdowns. He took care of the football. And when it came to the big moments, I mean, Herm said in the postgame conference, you know, he, he said, I want the ball. Let me take care of this. Um, once that happened, I don't really know that there are a ton of negatives. There are a lot of things he needs to iron out as a true freshman. Um, I think in the bowl game, you will see him be a little more aggressive with trying to get that extra yard, maybe making some riskier passes. Um, but other than that, I haven't really had any complaints with Jake Daniels, and that's something that Arizona State hasn't been able to say about a quarterback in a long time. I think there's always a lot of things you can be critical of, but when you look at Jake Daniels' character on and off the field and then what he produces, there's really not a ton of negative. And I'm not just saying that as an ASU fan. You yep. watch him and you just – you see how he takes care of the football and how he takes care of his team, and you've seen his leadership develop over the course of this season, there really isn't a whole lot that I'm worried about with Jaden Daniels. What I'm worried about is the running game. Hey, Tyler, it's the, it's the other Luke here again. Um, <laughs> looking at Arizona State's defense here, whether it be on the back end or the front end of that defense, who's one guy that FSU's team should be looking out for to make an impact on that end of the field? Honestly, this defense has been so inconsistent this season. It's been different guys at different times. But the one guy that I would have to point you to um, if I were to go with just one, 
it's going to be a shari crossball. He's one of the best free safeties in the country, in my opinion, one of the most underrated guys. Um, he missed one tackle this season total as a safety, which is just absolutely unheard of. Um, and so when it comes to kind of limiting the deep threat and limiting those big plays, he's going to be big. Um, but what the defense itself will do is going to remain to be seen. They have been pretty bipolar this year. I've seen them completely silence an Oregon offense that came in as one of the highest recruited in the country, and I've seen them completely crack against a team like UCLA that hadn't historically been putting up big numbers. So it'll be interesting to see which Arizona State defense we get come New Year's Day. Well, one more question for you here, Tyler. You know, looking at USC up north of Arizona State, they're in a lot of turmoil right now, and Utah is recycling a lot of players that were in their later years um, with that uh, senior-laden team this year. Um, is there a sense of urgency among Arizona State players and coaches that a win here could propel them into an even better year next year, possibly competing for a Pac-12 championship? You know, I, I think regardless of what happens in this bowl game, they're going to they're gonna take strides next year. Jaden Daniels will come back for his sophomore season. Um, I think they'll find a replacement of running back, whether that's through a recruit or whether that's a guy like A.J. Carter stepping up. And then on the defensive end, I mean, the one thing that Coach talked about all season long and that people talked about all season long was they're very, very young. Well, next year they're going to have another year's worth of experience, and they're going to be returning, as I mentioned, a majority, if not all, of these big defensive players. So, you know, I don't think that this is a must-win game for them, but I also think this is an important game for them in terms of trying to change um, kind of the culture around how ASU has played in bowl games. They haven't always done the greatest job when it comes to these games in December, and so I think for the Hearn train to pull out of the station a little bit faster and maybe to get a few more people on board, it would be huge to get a win over a, a big program like Florida State in a bowl game like this. ASU took a lot of flack for hiring Herm Edwards. What do you think <laughs> of his transition from the NFL slash broadcasting back to the college game. It had been so long. Um, and and did, did you like that hire initially? You know, initially we were all a little concerned. Um, I'll be completely candid. I was just happy to see Todd Graham gone. He's got to be one of the worst college coaches I've ever seen. Um, and I don't say that lightly, but <laughs> yeah, the, the playmaking, everything uh, that we used to joke around about, you know, we put the pitchfork up and that was about as many plays as ASU would knew how to run on offense. When Hearn came in, the culture changed a little bit. He, he was He's here to win football games, and, you know, there would be close wins. He wouldn't be happy with the way his team would play. Um, I think the other thing you get with Herm Edwards is better recruits, and at the end of the day, that's the most important thing because you can be the best coach in the country, but if you don't get good recruits, you're not going to see that talent translate on the field. So I, you know, we were all a little skeptical at first, but I think there's not a single person, at least not in the sports journalism program, uh, that hasn't completely turned around on Herm Edwards. He's been phenomenal for this program, and I can't wait to see what he can do uh, with a couple more years and a few more of his own recruits under his belt. Florida State hired former offensive coordinator for Arizona State, Mike Norvell, who went on to Memphis and then to Florida State. What do you think of that hire, and, and did you get to see him when he was at Arizona State? I didn't get to see a whole lot out of Norvell, um, unfortunately. That was kind of the year before I came. I transferred in a little bit late. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do know he was a part of that offensive core that did make good decisions, um, which was interesting because when he left, you definitely saw a decline in, again, the play calling and in the overall execution of the offense. So, you know, ASU was sad to see him go. I think he's obviously done some good things here for Florida State. I think the big question on my mind isn't so much, you know, what they're going to run. It's are they going to be healthy enough to actually have an impact against a team like ASU that's kind of catching its stride at the right time. Do you have, uh, do you have any questions for us? <laughs> I mean, not too many. I looked at Florida State a little bit. I mean, I'm not 100% sure who all will and will not play, but I will say this is for Arizona State's side. They're a team that loves to play up to their competition, and they're a team that loves to play down to their competition. Mm -hmm. And whether or not Florida State 
is, you know, as good as they are advertised. I think the fact that they are one of these perennial powers in college football means that ASU is going to come in and, and they're going to give them a real fight. Um, we've seen Arizona State, the games they've struggled in have been the games against lower-profile opponents, and I don't think that's going to be an issue come time to play against the Seminoles on Sunday. Tyler, so uh, we, we do predictions here, so we're going to tweet out a prediction from you. Tell us your prediction for the Arizona State-Florida State game. If ASU is going to win it, which I think they will, it's going to have to be kind of a gritty defensive battle. Again, I don't expect a lot out of the running game. Uh, give me the Devils, final score, 24-17. Okay, low-scoring low affair for tomorrow afternoon's game. Uh, I'm excited. I know that, uh, that Florida State fans are, have had a great week, and um, we'll, we'll see what, what our predictions. If you listen later into the show, we'll get some predictions on it. But that was Tyler Henry for ASU. We appreciate you coming on, Tyler. Thanks for having us. Yep, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Tyler Henry, one, one of the – I, I got I to throw it out there. I've, I've had a bunch of uh, guests on here uh, for, for uh, Tomahawk Talk. I, I got to give him the the credit as the the best student who's called into the show, Luke. Oh yeah, he didn't he didn't flake out on us like some have. Not to <laughs> not, not to throw shots out there at other schools, but he didn't flake out on us, and he kept it short, simple, and to the point. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, we got we got great information. I I know Luke Hazen was trying to tell you guys oh, that the game was January first. I'm I just mean, come on, buddy. It's I, the Gator, and you trying to to throw Florida State fans off. I was like, I don't even know what he's. Talking. I was about to say the key information that I learned during that segment from Tyler is that the game is actually tomorrow. I apologize to the listeners out there that I, I threw Luke under the bus here earlier for saying it's it's tomorrow instead of Wednesday. It is in fact tomorrow at what two o'clock? Yeah, two, two o'clock Eastern. Gotcha. Yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll see uh, we'll see. You know what's interesting? I think is Texas one hour? Is is it one hour or two hours? It's it's in. Uh, so I wonder if it's a, if it's a noon game over in El Paso. I don't know if it's Mountain Time or not. Actually, I think I think it's Central Time, right? It would be, it would oh, it's two. It's two hours. So it's a nooner. It's a nooner. It's a, yeah, it's five twenty-seven right here, uh, right now. Over wow. in the, that's the, that'll that'll factor in a little bit. You know, uh, Florida State. Yeah, it could be snowing. It could be snowing out there. So like, uh, we we looked up the weather. Uh, it, it will not be snowing, <laughs> luckily. So Florida State will not have to deal with that. But uh, I mean, this is like uh, it. It almost reminds you of you know um, when when the JV football team, some of the good players get get called up to the varsity team and, and get a little bit of time. Yeah, this is this is the same thing for ASU as it is Florida State. I mean, ASU is, is without their two best players on offense. Luke. We were we were talking it pre-show when we were pre-planning for the for the show here. We were talking to Eno Benjamin and uh, Brendan Ayuk. 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 Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, we were talking what effect were they going to have in that that bomb show right there? I guess we shouldn't be surprised. They put up awesome numbers this year for the yeah yeah and I mean if, if you're if you're them you understand why and, and Florida State uh, Florida State has has a couple of players that are sitting out I mean we'll, we'll you know what we'll go over that right now the amount of Florida State players that are out today uh, or I should say tomorrow it's it doesn't look good so Darius Washington he is uh, going to redshirt he hurt his shoulder so he is not going to play in the game Kalen Laburn who was suspended against Florida. He hurt his knee, got knee surgery, so he will not be there. Keyshawn Helton's still out with a knee injury. Warren Thompson, a lot of stuff going on with him personally. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even, he, he might be suspended, to be honest. Uh, I mean, there's that whole ordeal with his with his mom on Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not great for him. Christian Meadows out with a shoulder injury. Josh Kando, another defensive lineman for Florida State. The end, he's been out since the very beginning of the season with an ankle injury. Travis Jay out academically. There has been rumors that he, he may play. 
I don't see that happening. Cam Akers is going to declare for the draft. He won't play. Jaden would be out with a leg injury from earlier in the we, year. We knew that. Stanford Samuels, he is not going to play. Reading up for the draft, uh, a lot of people are saying that that may be good for Florida State. And Anthony Grant will not be playing out with a personal ma- matter as well. That was our that was Florida State's third string running back. They will be going with uh, Sheffield, who is their fourth string running back, a walk on. We'll we'll see how that turns out. Ontario Wilson out with a shoulder injury, a wide receiver for Florida State. Dontavis Jackson, he is going to declare for the draft, not play. Linebacker for Florida State, Marvin Wilson. And injury. He is coming back, though. He is coming back. A huge deal for Florida State. Cyrus Fagan, he's suspended for the first half after a targeting call against Florida. And then Hampson Nazardine, we don't know if he's going to play or not. But he has been, Hampson Nazardine has been the MVP of Florida State's defense. Absolutely. He's been the one guy that has shown up every single week for this defense and looked like he knows what he's doing. And it's a tragedy that he's not going to be able to play to cap off what has been an amazing year. Yeah, I, I think that. Florida State is in a, in a good position right now. We'll, we'll see where they end up overall. I I like I like their chances against ASU. I'll, I'll say that. It's a bowl game, so I re- like I hate picking bowl games because literally I have no idea what's going to happen. You don't even know what players are going to play. <laughs> who's going to show up motivated or not? And especially the Sun Bowl in El Paso. I mean, who on hey, earth can predict Let's game? not forget that Florida State is 0-2 in Sun Bowls. That, That's not a that good omen. Important. And, and who are they going up against? The Sun Devils. That's going to be you tough. might be on to something, Luke. That's going to be tough. Well, we will step aside. We're about halfway through the show, 731 here in Tallahassee. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Gavachi, my lapel, pulling up, pulling up. Three bricks, I'm a hundred up. Check up, bro, respect that side. Luke Fay alongside Luke Hazen. It's the Luke Show here. Uh, one away 
One away from uh, New Year's Eve, yeah, Luke and Luke in the afternoon. I, I guess you could call that uh, nice little ring to it. Then. Yeah, it, it, maybe, maybe. I, we, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to give that omen because you know what happened to Mike and Mike. They had a long and successful career. I, I wish the yeah, the best but I, on both I would, I would want to have an amicable breakup, not, which, not what that was. Which Mike is, which Mike? Which Luke is which Luke? Well, you, I would like to be Golik because I would like to be loved. Yeah, Greenberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, he's a wuss. He's he's a sellout. Sellout. You heard it here first. Tweet it. Mike Greenberg is sellout. Tag him too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, well, let's get back into some Florida State talk. Uh, I know uh, during the break we were we were mentioning how Florida State is not going to run the ball. We know that. Uh, who's uh, the one thing that we do do not know is who's going to start for Florida State. Is it going to be James Blackman? Or is it going to be Jordan Travis? That's something that's up for debate. I think everything's pointing to James Blackman. It, it has to be James Blackman. Travis, I mean, Devin, <laughs> sorry. Jordan, Jordan Travis. Travis. Jordan Travis still has not gotten the amount of in-game reps that you need to become a starting quarterback this late in the season. I think you have to finish the season with Blackman. And, and looking at, the, at, at what's going to be at stake, I would not be shocked if James Blackman throws the ball over 40 times. I mean, this... This, to me, is almost as close to a Washington State game as you can ever get in a Florida State uniform. Well, look who's still calling the games. Kendall Browse, he's going to want to air it out in any way possible that he can. Whether that's a good thing or not, he (laughs) has to with the running back depth that Florida State has right now. The lack of depth. There is no depth I mean, you, you, I'm expecting at least 15 targets for Terry, if not 20. I, and above. I mean, that's that's the only person you can go to right now. Treshawn Harrison is in the transfer portal for Florida State. Rumors that he may come out, given everything that's happened with Tamara and Terry and Martin Wilson deciding to come back. I don't know how this game is going to, to play out for Florida State. I can guess. Um, I'm leaning towards Arizona State winning this game. Just sheer off of, you know, they... They seem like more of a unit, you know. There's not as much um, disconnect between the team where, where there are, there are certain fractions within Florida State. And Mike Norvell came in and, and said, you know, we're going to try to fix this. We're, this is the Florida State Renaissance. He's not coaching this game. Odell it's Higgins not fixed is, yet. is is coaching this game. They still have the offensive line woes. There aren't very many playmakers outside of Tamari and Terry. It's going to be a tough game, Luke. Absolutely. I, I just look at the quarterback battle between Jaden Daniels and James Blackman, and I look, who has been the consistent quarterback this year? Jaden Daniels, I know I can rely on him to not, A, not turn the ball over, and B, be somewhat accurate. James Blackman has shown neither of those things. Along along with the fact, when you look at the emotional factor, James Blackman has been up and down this entire season. It doesn't bode well for Florida State, even though he's their best option quarterback right now. Yeah, one, one of the other things, Corey Durden did announce that he's going to come back to Florida State, a, a defensive line for, for the Seminoles. That's a, that is a positive for, for everything we know. He is playing tomorrow in the game. The problem is, Luke, they, they're a shell of what their defensive line was. I don't think they have a single starter on the linebacking pool outside of Emmett Rice that started the season. Yeah. Um, the, the, their defensive backs up and down all year. Asante Samuel has been the guy. For them, I, I I will say that he has been the, the 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 best defensive back for Florida State, but and it still hasn't been enough. I mean, that's why Marvin Wilson coming back next year is so huge because I don't know outside of him and maybe Durden how you get pressure on the quarterback. A in this game, I don't know how they're going to get pressure on Daniels, and B, who do you look to to step up next year? I I have a question for you. Yeah, um, Jaden Woodby, he 
he moved to linebacker this year. If you're Mike Norvell, do you think about moving him back to safety? I think he'll definitely get some reps there. It's just, what? I don't think that he's a linebacker. I, J, he, he, he is more of a Jalen Ramsey type of player, and Jalen Ramsey did not play a linebacker. It, listen, if Jaden Woodby is committed to learning the position and becoming comfortable in that position, I'm all for giving him linebacker reps. I but feel like they just for, ushered him in there. Like like they were, oh, oh we don't we don't have we don't have any depth, it was, it so you're just gonna to play. put him in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um it, I honestly think heading into next training camp, when he gets healthy again, if he's comfortable playing the linebacker position, I think you start him there and you see you grade him out and you see what he's best at. But I don't I don't think that you should automatically shoot him back there to safety. I don't. Well, Luke, we've we have out talked Florida State as much as we can. Let's let's go into predictions here. I want to hear who is going to win tomorrow's game. It is tomorrow, Luke. If you if you tomorrow. didn't know, tomorrow's game mm-hmm. against Arizona State. It's the battle of the party schools. Sun Devils versus Seminoles. Who you got? I'm gonna have to go with the party school out west. And I mean not West Florida, I mean <laughs> west of the Mississippi. I'm going with the Sun Devils here. I trust Jane Daniels in this situation. I still think there's too much inconsistency with that offense across the board, not to mention the absolutely shallow depth that the skill positions have right now for Florida State. I don't know who you can rely on. I'm going to go with Arizona State 27, Florida State 17. Okay, okay. that You, you heard it first. Luke Hayes is not going with the Seminoles, and I hate to be a, a cynic if that's the right word, um, a hater. As, as the kids would say, but I am going to go with Arizona State as well. They just seem to me like more of a unit. Florida State has the momentum with, with people coming back, but in my opinion, Arizona State, even without Eno Benjamin, even out even without Ayuk, they feel to me like like they have the better team for today. For today. Yeah, that's we don't know about in the future. Game. I should say for tomorrow. So I'm going to go Arizona State 21 or excuse me, 27, Florida State 20. One score again? I think it's a one. I, like it. I, I, said, I, said, I said last night two scores. Given the, the more information I got, I think it's going to be a little bit closer. But Arizona State probably is going to pull this one out. And, and we'll see. I mean, I, you'd hope that it doesn't happen. It can go both ways. I just, when you look objectively at the game, I don't know how Florida State scores more than 20 in this game. I really don't. Yeah, it, that's what it comes down to. It, is Tamari and Terry going to have himself uh, uh, like a, a Jefferson game where you have uh, four touchdowns for LSU? You know? <laughs> it, it's like I can see a scenario in which Arizona State scores more than 20. I don't see it for Florida State. I really don't. Yeah, well, but what, we, we will see. That's why they play the game. That, that is exactly why they, they play look? the game. What do we know? What do we know? We don't know anything. What, what does Herm Edwards say? I think they play to win the game, Luke. That's is right. That, they that play correct? to win the game. Well, well, we'll see who is going to win the game tomorrow at 2 p.m. over in El Paso, Texas. The Sun Bowl, Florida State has not won a Sun Bowl 0-2. So we'll see what happens. Going up against the Sun Devils, I, I said it earlier, it's not looking great for Florida State just looking at those. But, you know, they play they play the game, and we don't know who will win and, until the final store goes out. So that being said, we'll move on to the college football playoff. Get a little reaction there, Luke, as LSU stomped. Oklahoma. Wow. Oh my gosh! It wasn't. I. It was over in the first half. They were up forty-nine to fourteen. Luke. I mean, it's. It, it was almost an embarrassing display by by Oklahoma. It, Sixty-three to twenty-eight. Not even close. And Oklahoma. 
got dominated from start to finish. What was it six touchdowns for Joe Burrow in the first half? Or seven. seven. It was seven. He set the he set the absolutely insane. If they if they had left let him in, he would have beaten out the record held by a Houston quarterback back in the nineteen nineties, I think. Yeah, he it shattered it by a what it was seven. Uh, it was it was seven touchdowns in uh, in the first half. It was a tied for the most in bowl game history uh, for passing. He he had eight overall. He had a rushing score. Could not. They they had him in in the, the late fourth quarter. Couldn't get him to uh, connect on a TD pass. But LSU looked good, Luke. It oh my so gosh! Good. And it, when when you're having the conversation of best teams of all time, LSU certainly belongs in that conversation. But more so, I don't know if they're the best team the most talented team I've ever seen play, but they are the hottest team I've ever seen play. They have been on a roll since the Texas game. Not even since the beginning of the season. They have just been on this snowball, this avalanche of offense and winning that I've never seen in college football before. I remember watching them against Vanderbilt, and Joe Burrow was just tearing Vanderbilt apart. I think that he put up close to 60 or 70 points. Against Vanderbilt, that's been the norm rather than the exception. And, and I went, wow, you know that that's pretty crazy. That LSU's offense looks pretty good. It's pretty spread out, you know. I wonder when it's going to slow down, and it did not slow down. LSU has looked the part the entire season. If you, if you'll remember, week two they were matched up against Texas in Austin. Now I I for one thought Texas was going to win the game, but as the game played out, you saw LSU get more and more confident, and they were putting up numbers across the board. And you get to a third and seventeen play. This is a textbook play for LSU where they yep. will, they will call a draw, they will hand it off to the running back, they will rely on their defense to get a stop, and they'll probably lose the game. Instead, what do you see? You see Joe Burrow drop back, fake a little run there, and then just jump up and throw it over the defender's head to Justin Jefferson. It was at that moment that I realized this is a little bit different. This is a little bit different. Justin Jefferson against Oklahoma had one of the one of the greatest games in in postseason history for a wide receiver 14 receptions 227 yards Insane. four touchdowns you look over at joe burrow he was 29 of 39 493 yards seven touchdowns no interceptions one rushing touchdown that is a box score i, I think that they they had a, a graphic up at the end of the game where they had set 10 records for the ncaa that's something that's unheard of and and really this is supposed to be in a competitive game yeah Though that, that that's the reality of college football. There were three elite teams this year. The fourth team, no matter who you pick, was going to get boat right boat raced by these three teams here. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Oklahoma. Let's not put it past him. Jalen Hurts. He's had a great year overall. Career. A great career. Awesome career. Props to Jalen Hurts. But this it, this is LSU's year. Come on. Yeah. It, it, there was never I, whoever whoever wanted to take them on the spread was probably nuts. Uh, that's just I never what's going to happen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Not good. Unfortunately. Not good. Well, let's switch over to the other playoff game, which was a little controversial. Clemson winning 29-23 to over the Ohio State Con- Buckeyes. Controversial, but a classic. Absolute classic. I, coming out of the gates, Ohio State was up 16-0, to and look, it, it could have been way more. Looked like they were going to boat race Clemson. Clemson didn't even look like they should have been in the game. Yeah. They they tack on two touchdowns late in that second quarter, sixteen to fourteen. You you wonder what's going on here, and then the second half comes along and Clemson claws its way and takes the lead, and then that's where the controversy hits. Luke, can you can you give them a little recap of what exactly happened on on that the the fumble play? Yeah, so Clemson goes back up, I think twenty one to sixteen at this point. 
and they're driving again. They're they're at the 40 yard line. They're at the 35, something like that. Their own 35, 40 yard line. And there's a little out route to uh, Justin Ross, the receiver for Clemson. In real time, he seems to take a couple of steps to secure the ball, and then at the very end, the ball drops out. Ohio State gets knocked out. It gets knocked out by the Ohio State Jeffrey Okuda, first round talent at cornerback position. Um, and they they grab the ball, and Ohio State rushes down and scores a touchdown. Now at this point, I said, wait, let's 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 go back and take a look at this. And sure enough, the the referees went back, they looked at it, and they actually they called it a fumble on the field, if I'm correct. Yes. And they go to replay. We're, the, the replay official who who is who is hired by uh, by ESPN said he was. I out couldn't. Of, he, I, you can't overturn it. You know it. To me, it looks like you know a fumble. That this but, should be easy for them. But here's the problem: the viewers at home that are watching it on ESPN, they're being shown the slow mo replay the entire time. The referees, when they look at a play like that, where they're trying to see whether he had control of the ball or not. They're not allowed to look at slow mo. They don't look at that at all. They see it in real time, and in real time, it was a way more convincing argument that it was an incomplete pass. I don't think you can overturn it. Either way, Ohio State ends up ends up retaking the lead. Clemson goes down, takes the lead with uh, just under two minutes left, well, and, and and Ohio State has a chance to win the game. That that's my argument for Ohio State fans that are complaining about the rest in this game. Um, even though you didn't score on that fumble return for a touchdown. You still went down and scored to take the lead almost two possessions later. Clemson punted it. Ohio State scored. They had the lead. You then give up a 95-yard touchdown drive to Trevor Lawrence, which was one of the best drives I've seen all year by a quarterback, just dicing up the Ohio State defense. It, it, in that, and then they have a chance to win at the end, and they R- throw an interception. Ryan Day at, at the end of that game, fourth and two. Do you Would you have gone for it in that situation? Or is, is hindsight 2020 and been like, oh, we should have never given it back to Trevor Lawrence? I respect the decision by Ryan Day, but at the same time, if I'm a coach, I'm not giving the ball back to Trevor Lawrence in that situation. I don't care whether he has to go 95 yards, 99 yards. I don't care. I'm not giving the ball back to Trevor Lawrence. So I would have I would have probably gone for it on fourth and two there. Justin Fields has a great game, 30 of 46, 320 yards, one touchdown. But the glaring thing that stood out was he had two two interceptions all year. Was it two or is it one? one it was, it was one. one interception. One interception all year, and he throws two. He throws uh, two on Saturday, and that was the difference. At the very end of the game, they're driving down the field. It looks like Ohio State is rolling. They're on about the 24-yard line of Clemson, and you're going, oh boy, yeah, you know, Clemson. They they hadn't played up to the competition. Ohio State. This is when they put the nail in the coffin. And I believe it was Chris Olave. Chris Olave, yeah. He he went to run the route, and it was an in route. And at the very end, you, you see Justin Fields start to scramble just a little bit, and he thought he was going to scramble, so he, he breaks out of the route and goes to he the left. Yeah. And Justin Fields did not see that, releases it, interception by Clemson. That's that's and, the crazy. And that's the that's <laughs> the one thing where you're like. Ah. That's the crazy thing about this game is the whole the leading up to the game, we thought Justin Fields was going to be the guy running the football, not Trevor Lawrence. He was going to be the quarterback to use his... Well, I pointed out that Trevor Lawrence averaged more per per carry than Absolutely, and it was Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence in this game absolutely showed off his legs. A 68-yard touchdown run, a couple more, and for Justin Fields, we really hadn't seen his legs through the first three quarters, and on that drive, he started to scramble for a little little bit. And ended up hurting him in the end. And then Chris Olave finally thought Justin Fields was scrambling for a first down or maybe to break off and throw him a touchdown. 
it's just unfortunate. Nolan Turner intercepts that intercepts that ball, and and really, a lot of people wanted to see that matchup between LSU and Ohio State. Joe Burrow going against the school who told him he wasn't good enough, and you just get you end up where where it's going to be Tigers versus Tigers. I I know that was one of the big tweets that, well, you know the Tigers are going to win the championship, and it's still going to be a good game. Absolutely. I mean, I, you go Burrow versus Lawrence, two of the top QBs, possibly the number one draft pick this year and the number one draft pick next year. It's going to be a show, Luke. Yeah. And this was actually my preferred matchup. I, I, after I, the fact, I just wanted to see Ohio State. I did. But in, in my opinion, these are the two best quarterbacks and probably the two best teams this year. I know Ohio State gave Clemson hell. I know they, they played them down to the wire, but I truly think that these are the two best teams this year, far and above. Um, I'm I'm personally really excited about it. I can see why others want to see Joe Burrow get exact his revenge on Ohio State, but we're in for a really really good matchup and a party in New Orleans if well, LSU wins. One 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 last thing that that we we did want to go over is is Luke in the Ohio State Clemson game. Was that targeting um, when when there was forcible was there forcible contact to Trevor Lawrence's head on the sack that really. Could have put Clemson out of the game. Absolutely, the game sixteen nothing. You feel uh, leading up to the game, I thought Clemson was far and away better than Ohio State. The game plays out; it's sixteen nothing. I'm thinking maybe I had these two teams reversed. Maybe I thought wrong about Ohio State, and you get that targeting penalty. Look, I, they had every chance to win the game. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't. You can point to the refs. You can you can point to certain critical situations. Um, the, the but thing about the targeting penalty, it's the correct call. They made the right call. In that situation, Lawrence ducked his head into it, but you can't exactly help that. My problem with that play is the ejection. I do think there needs to be a tier system in place for the okay. NCAA. Um, one is 15 yards, a flagrant one. Then you get a flagrant two, which is an ejection. I I do think that was worthy of the 15 yard penalty. I don't necessarily think he should have been ejected from the game. But again, Ohio State had all the chances in the world. J.K. Dobbins dropped two touchdown passes. They go 0 3 from the red zone on touchdown opportunities. They. But, I mean, but but Dobbins got you all the way down there. I mean, what, you want him to do everything? Come on. It was clearly a pass that he should have caught in the end zone, and he dropped it. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, he he's running 60 and 50 yards on these plays. He's going to get tired after I agree. a little Just bit. Just catch the next play. Okay. Catch the obvious ones. Come on now. All right, all right. If, well, he, if he can run 60 yards, he can absolutely catch a little wheel pattern there. But you are not playing in the uh, no, in NCAA no. football, are you? No, no. <laughs> Well, let's move on to some NFL playoff talk. What happened in that last week? We have about eight minutes left. We're going to try to fly through this, Luke. A run the Patriots here. lose to the Dolphins, and I know our very own Gary Putnick is playing Miami and Dolphins. Miami Dolphins <laughs> were number one, and they take the Patriots out of getting that first-round bye for the first time in a decade. Yeah, I, I was happy to see the Dolphins win just because Ryan Fitzpatrick is a former Bucks quarterback. Good to see him have a little success. He's a former good, quarterback for a lot of teams. Good finish for the Dolphins. They finished five and four at the end of the year. I yeah, but some Down some people say that that might have been too good of a finish. Now I I think if you're the Dolphins, do you go after Tua? If he drops you at what if, is it, if, if you five? get if it's uh, I think they're either five or six. If Tua drops you, you take Tua in that situation. Is it Tua over Herbert? Yes. For Morgan, okay. Yes. All right. Last, I, listen, I think Justin Herbert is a phenomenal quarterback. I think Tua is that much better. All right. Well, that's uh, you heard that from Luke Hazen. I'm not saying it. I, I, I just don't think that Tua 
will be healthy enough. And, and for all we know, he may, may pull a Marvin Wilson and come back to yeah. Alabama. You don't know exactly. Coming off of hip injuries, those things are hard, Luke. I mean, come on. We'll, we'll move over. Uh, we can ask if the dynasty is over. We'll leave that for another day. Let's uh, let's let's see if they lose in the playoffs to the Titans. Mm-hmm. But the Seahawks we'll get into picks later. The, the the Seahawks Niners game, which decided who got who ended up getting home field advantage. I know the Saints were watching that game. The Niners were hoping to win the game. They the come Packers out on top yeah. with a goal line stand against the Seahawks, and and the real big play that people were watching before is on that third down play. Was it pass interference? Or it, not the third down play. Yes, it was third it, down. It was yeah. third down. On, on, the, on the play, was it... Or no, no, no. Yeah, it was third down. Third down. What, was it pass interference, Luke? Was that pass interference? And should they have looked at it, at it in the booth? Well, they did look at it in the booth. And I, I absolutely... I, I want to say that I do think it was pass interference, first and foremost. Um, and they went to the booth. They didn't see anything there. Um, and I don't. If we can't get that called, I I really don't have. They any shouldn't hope. even have the rule. Yeah. Well, there were a couple that actually in the Bucks game earlier that day they got a call overturned. But unfortunately, in this situation, Seattle kind of gets jogged a little bit by the refs. Um, but in in that I don't like blaming the refs. In, in that situation, the Seahawks they they get the ball first and goal from the the one yard line. You got after, four chances after now. after uh, after getting a after getting a conversion on fourth down, and they can't punch it in because they got that delay game that pushed them back to the six. They're on the one-yard line. You know they're going to go with Marshawn Lynch again, and because Fant, the offensive lineman for the Seahawks, he was two-winded, they they got up to line, they spiked the ball, and they got a delay of game. It, it just was unorganized by the Seahawks at the end of the game, and but that's another that's another situation where they should have won this game. And then on fourth down, they get to the inch yard line and can't get it across. That was just unlucky. I, d- I don't really count the delay of game, the 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 ten second runoff as a real factor in this. Well, game. it wasn't a ten second runoff because they they spiked the ball. Oh, gotcha, I'm just gotcha, saying. Gotcha. I'm just saying the delay of game. Causing to go from the one yard line, which is a sure score, gotcha, gotcha. to the six yard line where you aren't going to be running the football with no timeouts and twenty seconds left. Yeah, it's a, it's unfortunate, but it's, I, I still give props to the 49ers for winning that game, taking the number one seed for the wild card. Buffalo will be going up against the Texans, Tennessee going up against New England, Minnesota against New Orleans, the Seahawks against Philadelphia. We'll just go for for picks here, Luke. Which teams do you like coming out of the wild card? So this wild card weekend, the annual game, the 4:30 Saturday Saturday game in Houston. I'm going to take the Texans in that game. I trust Deshaun Watson more than I do Josh Allen. Um, I have New England beating the Titans at home. I have New Orleans beating Kirk Cousins in the Superdome on Sunday afternoon, and then I have Seattle going on the road and beating a weekend Philadelphia team. Well, I have. I'll go with Buffalo beating Houston because Houston is just so. You know, back and forth, Jekyll and Hyde as a team. <laughs> Tennessee with the upset against the Patriots. That's right. I, I am going with that. New Orleans over Minnesota. And Seattle going and beating Philadelphia handily. Wow. I, I like I like that upset pick. The Titans have been playing as well as anyone as of late. One more thing when we're talking NFL. I want to give a quick shout-out to all my Bucks fans out there. We all celebrated in unison yesterday as Jameis Winston became the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in a single season. I liked on Twitter how 30 for 30 said not what we uh not what I, we're going to make a documentary out of. Listen, <laughs> this entire season say what you want about the Bucks finishing 7 and 9. I was on the edge of my seat 
every single play that Jameis Winston took a snap in. And I, I can say that about the how, how fitting for a pick six. He, he is in overtime. He is America's quarterback. He is the most electric show in football. I hope the Bucks bring him back next year. I know Bruce Arians threw him under the bus earlier today. I don't like that. What do you, I hope they bring him back. What do you uh, What do you think his value is? How much do you think uh, if there's an NFL team out there? What do you think they should sign him for? It's going to be. A, we're going to guess it's a one year deal. Uh, yeah, someone's going to if he's let go by the Bucks and they don't franchise tag him. I think someone's going to take a flyer on him for a year, probably around ten ish billion, so, somewhere along the. He is a quarterback after all. Who just oh, so you don't yards. you don't necessarily think that he's going to get a starting job, or do you? No, $10 million no. for a starting job. Jake Cutler got that. Yeah, I, I definitely think if Jameis goes somewhere else, he's going to get a starting job. So we'll see. I don't have the numbers all lined up, but just a quick shout-out to Jameis for the unbelievable 30-for-30 30 30 season. If you have Cousins, would you would you, if you are, are a Minnesota fan, would you rather have Cousins or Winston? I would rather have Winston. Okay. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, the, that's the only answer you need. And, and finally, as we close out this uh, final show of the decade, Luke, bittersweet. Uh, it, it is bittersweet, but I'm glad to, uh, to do it with you. One of my last shows here at, uh, at V89 for Tomahawk Talk. Let's talk about the greatest moments of the decade. We'll give one national and one personal, more of a fandom moment of That's the fans, decade. Yeah. So, Luke, take it away. So, for my national moment of the decade there are a ton that you could pick from the two women's world cup championships the one by where carly lloyd was the star and then megan rapino was a star those certainly are up there for the best of the decade but for me i think the best national story was the world baseball classic won by the u.s team two years ago just a wild ride we had never seen a lot of teams in the past by usa they had underperformed heading into the world baseball classic but we finally got to see them when it see it out and win it for our country well for me i am going in a different route and for my national moment it's got to be tiger woods coming out and winning the masters in 2019 along with getting his 82nd win tying with sam sneed uh, i know that everyone was on their edge of their seats watching it and 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 truly i i did shed a tear because no one thought he was going to get back there people could say but really no one ever believed it and he doesn't have to do anything the rest of his career in my opinion to go and live up to if he was better than Jack Nicholas, catch him at 18. Just him winning that one extra major to get to 15, to me, proves that, you know, he came back and he got to a level where he could win again, and no one, no one ever thought that. All of the people who are on tour right now are only playing golf because of Tiger Woods. That is a fact. <laughs> the only reason why I play golf was because of Tiger Woods. The only reason why I watch golf is because of Tiger There's Woods. a lot more traffic he, on the greens when Tiger's it, playing well. It, it is, and so I, I really do say that that moment was was one that you never saw coming, and I, I was just so excited as as a fan to see that happen, and and really, it was a dream. It really was a dream. And my, Tiger Fever even caught me in the tank over there. I was doing Seminole segment after he won. I was doing my best Jim Nance impersonation. Oh, boy. Well, in my personal fandom moment, that would be uh, Mackenzie Milton. It would have to be him oh, leading boy. the UCF Knights in 2017 to a perfect season and a win over Auburn. And January a national 1st, championship possible national championship, <laughs> the way you look at it. But for me, growing up, a UCF fan, they had two losing seasons where they didn't win a single game. I remember as a fan growing up in Orlando, everyone's an, uh, a Gator fan or a Knoll fan, not very many Miami fans. And then there's just a very small section of UCF fans. And I would get made fun of daily, daily over being a UCF fan. And when they won the Fiesta Bowl, I felt so fulfilled. And then when they won in front of the national stage in 2017, it was like, you know what? We're here. We finally made it. 
And you can't you can make fun of us, but you can't take away an undefeated season. And I know one thing: the Florida Gators have never had an undefeated season. So that's all I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna end up on. But well, that's you know, all we got for the show here, Luke. So. No, I can still do my no, fandom okay. moment of the decade. So, uh, but a lot of my teams are middling this last decade. But if there's one that I could pick, it would be the Blackhawks winning the Stanley Cup over the Lightning. Uh, I have a lot of Lightning fans that I grew up with, so to rub it in their face was really, really nice. Well, Luke, that's all we have for Tomahawk Talk, uh, one of our final shows so uh, of the decade. And, and for me, I have one more left here, so glad you could join me. For Twitter over there, Scott Clemens, Luke Hazen as my co-host. I am your host of Tomahawk Talk, Luke Fay. This is WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. New release is up next. Coke and 